thanks to Midriff's sponsor, Earthquaker Devices. Earthquaker Devices are continually identified as leaders in the music gear industry for their commitment to creating a better, more inclusive, diverse, and welcoming music culture. You've probably seen it yourself, right? They are intentional in this work, and they take the time to do it well, and you can see it in almost everything they do, right? From sponsoring podcasts like this one to their representation in social media and artists they endorse, right? And there's probably other things that you're, we're not even seeing, right, that are behind the scenes. And then there's their truly unique, creative, inspiring pedals. Did I mention they make pedals? They're made in by hand in Akron, Ohio by like a whole pile of really, really awesome folks. Their pedals are useful and easy to use tools for like any instrument as a guitar, bass, synth, drums, whatever. And they make pretty much every type of pedal under the sun. Whether you want an octopedal, you want a distortion pedal, you want a fuzz, you want some modulation, they've got it for you, including a few super affordable pedals that you can grab for under $100, right? Amazing. If you hear folks sing their praises, there is a reason why. And I personally played Earthquaker pedals for over 10 years, and I'm proud to have them as sponsors on this podcast and to have been able to work with them as well. And you can learn more about Earthquaker Devices at EarthquakerDevices.com. Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. Welcome to the third ever Midriff NAM episode. If this is your first time here, I went to NAM. And I interviewed a bunch of rad folks, manufacturers, media demo folks, a retailer, and I compiled their responses to four questions in this episode. And I did this twice in the past. If you want to dig back into those, feel free to do that as well. They are also fun and revealing. So... I'll get to the interviews in just a moment, but before I do, I want to remind you that the next cohort of my online course, No Stairway Denied, Creating Inclusive Workshops in Music, is running May 9th to June 8th. We'll cover everything from hiring to feedback to marketing through the lens of inclusion and your company values, which is just one of the strategies and tools that I will give you that will be immediately applicable to your work. So I'm very much excited uh, and looking forward to working with folks And, you know, if you want to learn more about that, there is a link in the show notes to do so. All right, back to Nam. Overall, here's my review. (laughs) I would say it generally felt slightly bigger and more exciting than last year. There were some folks back that maybe hadn't been there the previous year. I would say it's not quite back to the action of 2020. There was still a lot of open space. There were, you know, once again, a lot of regular vendors were missing, um, you know, who'd I, I would say that either they're missing or they were like largely downsized. But there were also some folks, as I said, who were back um, who had missed in 2020. Just, you know, so that helped a little bit. I would say so 2024 will be back in January. Um, they'll, it'll, they'll be having it in January again. But it I guess, you know, that's only nine months out from this Manam. So <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like it's there's they're getting they've been pretty close together for the last couple of years. So it's also hard to get a vibe on that. So I think probably we won't really be able to get a feel for like what NAB is going to look like in the future until probably 2025 when it's back to a full clip, like a full year in between. So I don't know. That's my guess. I'm curious to see what happens. Obviously, lots of folks have lots of opinions about it. But um, yeah, just, you know, it's interesting to to watch it progress um, as culture progresses as well. So 
I was asked, I, I guess in general, like a couple other things that happened. I was asked by the team at Reverb to join their panel on actionable steps to diversity, equity, inclusion, which was great. And, you know, of course, I was always excited, you know, to see buddies that I only see once a year. You know, it's one of those kind of events, um, which is great. You know, and I saw them between like the the floor at NAM, the effector market, the pedal party. There were lots of things going on, which was really fun. And I will say, I'm pretty sure that most people would tell you, if asked, that the best part about NAM is the people. <laughs> and I totally agree, 1000%. But let's just, I'm going to say it. This is controversial. Gear is sometimes pretty cool, too. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I started my interviews off asking people their favorite gear at NAM. And for manufacturers, I asked about their favorite new gear that they brought. For everyone else, I asked about their favorite thing that they had seen so far. So I want to get started with that. And let's get started with Ali Amaral from Earthquaker Devices. Now, a couple of notes before we do get going. Um, the audio will be slightly different between different interviews. And there's going to be a lot of background noise because it is NAM. Some people, um, we were sitting in a place that was like outside. Um, one person recorded from home. So you're going to see a little bit of range between those things. Also, I will note that sometimes it is hard to gather your thoughts at NAM because it is a very distracting environment. So just something to think about. I <laughs> I know that I have a hard time sometimes getting my brain on straight when I'm there. People are sometimes pretty exhausted. So something to take into consideration. So let's get started with Allie Amaral of Earthquaker Devices and her favorite gear at NAM. Uh, the new piece of gear I'm most excited about is definitely Earthquaker's new pedal, the Aurelius. Um, I got to help in the prototyping a little bit for this pedal, so I'm extra excited about it. Uh, it's a super, super great chorus. It has three settings. My favorite thing is the rotary setting based off of the Leslie Rotary Amp. It's got a great kind of Doppler effect, and you can really make it super simple or nice and crazy, which is my favorite part about Earthquaker pedals in general. <laughs> All right, here we have Mark from Summer School Electronics. So of the new things we have, um, we have three new pedals that we're premiering here that will be out later this year. First, we have our Pepperelli Fuzz, which is an updated version of our Stone Thrower Fuzz. It's louder. It's got a tone feature on it. It's meaner. It's loud and proud, so it's the Pepperelli. Uh, second is the version 2 of our Gladys pedal, which is our like low mid-gain overdrive. It's got two-band EQ. It's louder, has a little more drive, has silent switching. It's our puppy all grown up. We got a lot more. And uh, our third one is our half-day compressor, which is selectable for guitar or bass input. Um, it's got more volume than your typical compressor and features a tone knob as well. So those are our three new ones that we got. All right. Up next, we have Rob from HiWatt. So one of the things that we're featuring is we have WEM cabinets now. So for all the David Gilmore fans out there, now you can get yourself a HiWatt with a WEM cabinet. Oh, they're so nice. Oh, yes, they are. Um, and actually, we have like the regular 100-watt version, but then we also have a smaller 20-watt version, so you can have a smaller rig. So we have the live at Pompeii rig and the live in your bedroom or small club rig, right? And then there's also the combo version of it as well. Um, and the biggest feature that we have on that amp these days is there's a, a, a bypass filter, so you can have a treble boost or a bass boost on it as well. So it, it makes the amp a bit more diverse. And it's also a perfectly pedal platform amp. All, all those delay pedals and things that Gilmore is famous for, yeah, you can replicate that too. Here we have Sasha from Dunable Guitars. Uh, well, we have, I mean, I'll turn around as if you're filming, I guess, but uh, we got our Asteroid DE um, that we're announcing, which is part of our DE line uh, of import guitars. Uh, and we have the Asteroid in uh, 
a Tunematic Bridge version and a Floyd Rose version, and those are going to be available through retail and direct through our website in, I believe, June. And then we also have the Narwhal being added to our D series, which will be available about a month after that in various finishes. And um, it's we're really excited. They're they're they've been popular models in the the U.S. line for a long time. So to have those at a much more affordable price point really excited for everybody to just have that it's a nice like a uh, bit of accessibility right because it's like you want it's, it's cool to be able like obviously everything that you make is beautiful but it's nice to be able to have have it open to more folks yeah yeah not everything we make is beautiful you don't have to like <laughs> sugarcoat it's mostly ugly i, w- I mean you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take you know then sometimes you're gonna miss them I, I, I'll give it 99.8. How about that? All right. Up next, we have Loki from PolyFX all the way from Australia. Yeah, so I'm showing off um, Flat 5, the Josh Smith Flat 5, which is our new new pedal here, which is a signature tradition with Josh Smith. Um, and it's a complicated gain pedal with uh, presets, two different channels uh, that you can blend between different things with LFOs and envelopes and, and a bunch of other fancy things. These kind of a very different tone stack than normal with these synth-style resonant filters and just hopefully a lot of good sounds. All right. Up next, we have Emily Harris from the Get Offset podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, I would think, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to afford it, but the UE Premiere in your monitors, like I listened to those versus the ones that I have, the Reference Remastered, which I thought were great and are great. And then I hear UE Premiere and I just feel ruined forever. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Also, the Sterling St. Vincent Goldie is pretty sick. Yeah. I did see that. Did you get to play it? No, but I hope I will. Still time. Still time. All right. Here we have Joe, Emily's podcast partner at Get Offset and from the Pedal Playhouse YouTube channel. To narrow it down is rather tough. (laughs) It's really tough. I like to ask the tough questions. You do. You immediately go to the toughest question. Uh, Yeah. I mean, just... Recently, I went over to the Death by Audio booth. I heard a lot of people talk about, you know, the rooms, and, you know, I wanted to see for myself. And playing it, it was one of those effects pedals that I was laughing and smiling the whole time I was playing it. I just, before we met up, went by the Benson booth and tried their new delay that's set to come out, I think, in July. Um, It is the most lush delay, and I was, like, immediately, like I told Chris, uh, I was like, I, uh... I am definitely going to own this. Uh, be still my uh, long delay beating heart. <laughs> All right, here we have Steve from the 60 Cycle Hum podcast. Just people. I mean, I, the gear, you see it all, all the times you see it online, you see it wherever. It's nice to be able to like play some of it in person. Like the Grez guitars, you can always, I hear about them a lot from my friends, uh, but I finally got to play like one of their basses. That was really cool. Uh, really well built instrument. So, nice. yeah. Now we have Ruben from Seymour Duncan. Yeah, so this has been a really crazy year. We, we're <laughs> launching 23 products in the year 2023. And probably the biggest one is Hyperswitch. I've been working at Seymour Duncan now for almost two years, and they've been working on it before then. And uh, it's a programmable, I figured I couldn't say that word very well, but it's a programmable five way switch that's like, uses Bluetooth and you use your phone basically as a controller where before you had to like wire your pickups in a way like if you want out of phase or you know reverse wind all that kind of stuff 
you, your guitar tech or whoever, if you did it yourself, it would have taken hours. Now we just do it with the Switch. Now we do it with the Bluetooth app. It's a lot. It's a big game changer in the world of modding and like how little modding you have to do now. And uh, yeah, that's what we're all really excited about. That's so wild. I feel like we're like in my mind. I'm like pe people are so smart, and I don't understand anything. <laughs> a lot of people are like, can they hack my guitar? No. <laughs> No, they can't hack your guitar. They're reading your emails through your pickups. Yes, yeah. Does TikTok access your Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, here is Johnny from Oakland Guitars. I would say I really love the Death by Audio booth. Uh, getting to talk to Heather and crew there has been awesome. I got to meet... Uh, Anna Earthquaker Devices, which was awesome and made me really happy. Uh, going to Cat Catlin Bread, is that how you say it? Going to Catlin Bread and seeing all of Justin Abernathy's guitars there. Uh, Chris Benson over, I think they're at the LA Vintage Guitar booth. I don't remember. But hanging out with Chris and saying hi to him. Uh, my friend Haley is running around from Rocket Music and seeing her and with her little, she's giving away little 3D printed and they're tiny. And uh, yeah, I think it's just been seeing people. All right. Last but not least, we have Jason from Working Class Music. And, you know, we tried to meet up like 17 times at NAM to do this podcast interview in person, but it just was not meant to be. So uh, we talked about it and he sent me these uh, the recorded answers, which was super nice of him. So here is Jason. Being that I'm a huge post-rock fan, uh, I was curious because I knew UA was going to have some kind of presence there. And I really wanted to get my hands on the new Dell Verb, uh, just to try that out. And at their VIP event, uh, my I had a <laughs> got my wishes fulfilled, so to speak. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to play the Dell Verb, and I loved it. It is ambience in a box, so I'm a sucker for those. Another piece of gear, or rather, um, a bunch of pieces of gear. Um, I was curious about the Wars Audio fundamental series um going into it because i hadn't played it um especially since they leaked uh so i played it and that was probably the longest i spent at a booth there were definitely people giving me evil eye because they wanted me to hurry up all right so hopefully that gives you a bit of a vibe for like kind of some of the things that people were really psyched about at nam and you can see it's interesting because most people said i think almost entirely different things so um, so that was just kind of a cool a cool thing to to hear people and what they were really psyched about. Um, I <laughs> Steve on the sixty cycle hum podcast was making fun of people for asking this question, but I think it is. I mean, you're at Nam about the gear, right? Like that is why people are there. The people, you know, people are there to talk to people, and I think a lot of people who go are like, I love seeing my people, which once again I totally get, but I also am like, well, you know, it's. We have to talk about the gear. That's <laughs> we can't not talk about it. We can not talk about it when we're, you know, not talking about it when we're like trying to chat with our buddies or whatever, but do have to talk about the gear at least a little bit. So <laughs> the next question that I asked folks, so this is when we're getting into some of the um, DEI oriented or diversity, equity, inclusion oriented questions. So here is <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about my feelings about this after folks respond. But my, my general question was, given sort of the, you know, the really big push around uh, DEI work 
in 2020 with Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and things like that. Where are we seeing diversity, equity, inclusion sort of landing now in 2023 since 2020? So that's the question that I asked folks. And once again, you'll see we got kind of a range of answers here, too, which is always interesting. We're going to start here with Allie again from Earthquaker, but I, I want to note that we're going to be, I'm going to be switching things around a little bit. So they're not, all the responses are not always going to be in the same order. Hopefully I arrange them in some sort of way that tells a semi-coherent story here. So here's Allie from Earthquaker. I think things are heading in a good direction. I've seen a lot of push in terms of like scholarships and promotion in general. I personally am partially here with Earthquaker and with the Women of NAM scholarship. Um, so, you know, they help fund women to come to big events like these and a general push in all directions of the music industry, being marketing, sales, or production. I've met a lot of very interesting people here who are even like independent like business owners who are young women which is amazing so I think I'm starting to see more and more doors open and more and more people encourage women to come through these doors and people of all genders and diversity so I think th since the pandemic people really noticed that we need to do more and people are starting to do more which is beautiful <laughs> awesome yeah and I know like with the scholarships for women of NAM, like there are companies that are supporting that right so it's like they had it's not just that it's happening but like there are companies putting actual money into that to make it happen yes exactly which is super super great to see and i'm happy to be one person that gets to experience it <laughs> also <laughs> i'm gonna be yelling sometimes and other people will be yelling because that is the nature of nam you have to yell all right up next is ruben from seymour duncan oh man i can only speak on our behalf and we me and my uh boss monique we have done everything we can to push that. Like, I'm Mexican, Monique and I are both Mexican, and like, we're just trying to push as many women players as possible, highlight as many women players as possible, uh, anyone who's in the LGBTQ community. Uh, that's a big part for us. It's like, can we find more user-generated content? Like, hey, let's put you on our platform. Like, we're not, you know, we're not gonna, there's no money in it, like, but like, we'll hype you up, we'll send people to you. Let's give you that like look, and I think that's changed a lot. Um, and just walking around here, I definitely see a lot more, you know, different types of faces on on these big things. You know, like that's my friend Veronica right behind us. Like I was so glad we were able to use her and just kind of, man, everyone plays guitar. And like we heard some like crazy stat that like Guitar Center did that like I don't know, like sixty percent of the new guitar buyers were like women and like how they get treated once they enter a store. And like, that was like when I first started. So I was like, oh man, we, we can't be like that. Like yeah. we have to be way more inclusive than we, we've had in the past, like ever, <laughs> right? So. Also quick note, I think Ruben is referring to the Fender study there, probably. Um, also, if you wanna hear more studies uh, you with people's opinions about them, um, the last NAM episode, my 2022 NAM episode goes into a lot of detail around both people's responses to the Fender episode or offender report because that was a big deal, but also the gender and music your experiences report that I put out last year as well. Um, so if you wanna dig in deep around that, there are people people had a lot to say. I talked to a lot of cool po folks last year about that as well at NAM. Next, we have Mark from Summer School Electronics. Um, I think I've seen a lot with everybody being home. Like I just got into building pedals during COVID. So I've kind of talked to a lot of newer, younger companies who are getting into it. And you definitely do see more people of 
different ethnicities and different genders all getting into like feeling like now we have more of a not a level playing field but it, the doors cracked open a little bit more because ever so slightly yeah and i'm not i mean i'm a straight white dude talking about it i get it like i i'm well aware i'm not the expert in any of this um but i feel like because we were all trapped at home and people started new businesses and all business was online you could really start to get a little bit more of a foothold than you could in a more classic brick and mortar store uh world that was pre that up next is Rob from High Watt. Definitely seen a lot of more uh, women uh, rocking out, which is really cool. Uh, one of the bands we actually started working with during the pandemic was the Beaches uh, from Toronto. Uh, that's where we're basically based in Toronto. And uh, they play all High Watt now. And uh, they're an awesome band. They're great songwriters. I bought their first record even before I knew who they were, like uh, before I started working with them. And, uh, and it was great. And uh, one of the capacities of my job is I actually reach out to artists through our Instagram, social media. Sometimes they reply and sometimes they don't, which is cool. And they did. They were pretty excited. They said, yeah, contact our guy James. And uh, he's the gear guy. So we've been working with them for a couple of years. Now, actually, they have a couple of WEM cabinets on the road right now. So they're going to be doing the high watt WEM uh, look. So you can check that out. Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, we've been noticing definitely a lot more women. And where I live in Toronto, there's way more. Like if I, when I go out to see shows, half the bands are either female fronted, half the, half the band is female, or they're all female. Right? So it's really cool. All right, here we have Sasha from Dunnable. To be honest, like as far as we go, like uh, we've always, I feel like we've lived in a pretty diverse world. Um, just in general just that's just how I've always kind of lived my life is like you know accepting people and I've, I've always I grew up in LA so I'm surrounded by all, every kind of person and identity that you could imagine and um, so I don't know if it's changed much for us but I mean obviously the world is evolving and people are you know choosing which side of history they want to be on and all that and um, you know, I, I think that obviously that's a good thing and it's a natural thing. But, you know, for us, I don't know if we've had some like come to Jesus moment where we're like, you know what, we're going to be more in favor of diversity because I think that's just been our the name of our game since the beginning. All right. Here is Loki from Poly Effects. I think part of the thing for me uh, is has been that which makes some of these things a little bit difficult to see is that as Australians, we've been kind of stuck in for a while, like in Melbourne, we weren't allowed more than five kilometers from our house or place of work, and we had to stay inside for a really long time. We were only allowed out like 15 minutes a day or something, so there was that kind of long period where I didn't see much of what happened in the rest of the industry because I didn't go outside. <laughs> so, like, what happened for those years? I just sat in the factory and worked, so I... I, I like... Um, I mean, uh, as far as, you know, like our local scene... It's, it's pretty tiny, so, you know, there's... Uh, but as far as diversity, I mean, we've only got two... Im well, it's only me and one other person. So, uh, Joe and myself, uh, and she plays um, bass, and I play bass and guitar, and we both make pedals, so... I mean, we're, we're half diverse, I guess, so, you know... Uh, you know, um, we're somewhat mi minority-ish and somewhat, uh, you know, half... An equal number of genders, so, well, of the relatively standard set. Um, so yeah, uh, but as far as the broader scene, 
I don't think I see enough of it at the moment. The last few years, I like. I don't think I've noticed. Uh, I think I've noticed some uh, more discussion, especially in the Eurorack scene, because I'm in like kind of pedals and synths, and there's been uh, you know a bit more um, discussion about some of that in the Eurorack scene. I think partly because uh, some of the the biggest modules and the biggest things in the Eurorack scene, um, like the most famous Eurorack developer. Um, is probably probably Emily from Mutable Instruments. I, I I would say that she's the most. I mean, maybe Dieter Dopfer from Dopfer is pretty famous as well because he started the whole thing. But really recently, Emily's the most famous. So and that's kind of the case as well. There's so I think in Eurorack, like the diversity is is pretty good. I think one of the challenges I think diversity-wise is uh, we make like and this is a discussion Joe and I have sometimes. We make. Our pedals and modules are like pretty fancy and expensive, so we cater mostly for the fancy, expensive thing, like demographic of. So as far as diversity goes, our customers are like mostly like richer people from richer places, and we kind of worry about that sometimes because, um, like, I come from a, I grew up on a farm and and I'm from Central Queensland originally, which is not historically a very rich area, but you know I'm, I'm from Australia, so it's a rich country, so I kind of. Like worry a little bit about hey uh, you know can just you know people afford to buy our stuff can we make it we do all the manufacturing in a house like all the metal work is done by us all of the we be this, we print this we assemble the electronics everything we don't outsource stuff we we do it all ourselves um, and that's kind of important for me because I like the manufacturing stuff but again that does mean the price point is challenging because we just can't make them very cheap. I know, I know that's an issue for a lot of folks that are like kind of struggling. They're like, well, this is the thing that we make, and it just it is kind of what it is. So, like, what would it mean to to do something different, and like, how do we handle that? I know that's like a con- that's a concern for a lot of folks. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a challenge because, like, if you made it at a price point like that was you know much more accessible for a lot more people, you'd have to make it in a really different way. And then, uh, like, I don't know if I'd be able to make it in Australia. We have, like. Uh, compared to the United States and stuff, we've got very high minimum wage. Well, so then it's like, are you sourcing it out, or what are you doing? And then that's a whole other question, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, if you're thinking about, hey, we're getting this this metal cutting done somewhere else. How are they doing that? And we, so like, I know both of us are treated pretty well. I treat me okay. Joe treats, you know, is treated all right. So you know, we know that all the parts and the processes, and it's not, you know, there's anything too sketchy going on. All right, here's Jason from Working Class Music. So this is quite the intriguing question. Um, And I feel like I have a lot to say (laughs) if people would like to listen. Um, Being a person of color, uh, I'm always curious about uh, some of the things going on in front of and behind the scenes. So for me, I remember when Working Class Music first started, we were very, very we were very adamant about our praise of Fender at the time because they had, in terms of advertising, it was very diverse without feeling like it was pandering. Um, you know, they showed a not only a wide variety of musicians in terms of gender and diversity, but in playing style as well. So it all felt natural. I would like to think that... Uh, a few other brands have kind of picked it up and ran with it. Like uh, you see UA with Yvette Young and Emily Hopkins, like 
I never would have thought of that. Like, you know, they're using them for their marketing. I never would have thought of that a few years ago. Like, I, you know, I thought it would be some like, you know, Joe Satriani type dude or whatever, pedal, you know, demoing a pedal that isn't really geared towards them. But, you know, we've seen that. We've seen strides on one company more so, Ibanez, like, you know, even with Tim Henson, like, uh, it's it, like their booth at NAMM this year. There was definitely a noticeable, um, as far as the artist displays, there were definitely noticeable, not just like, you know, cis white dudes. So for me, that was very, very cool. And I think the industry overall is moving in that regard to where you're starting to see it a lot more in the marketing. And uh, one thing that I noticed with some companies is more so behind the scenes. I, I don't think I'm at liberty to say um, but I know with certain companies, they've definitely upped their diversity behind the scenes. And you're starting to see it reflect, especially in the TikTok and social media aspects, where you're starting to see that and the people they work with represent that. So I think a lot of brands are making the right step. Um, and we're seeing a lot more since then. However... While I recognize that, I still feel like there's a ton of work to do, uh, um, not to name names. You know, when you have some of these big corporations just looking purely at a numbers based thing and, you know, they're working with certain people and it doesn't represent me. And, you know, I don't feel like it represents it's a good representation when it's just, you know, popular white guitar dude with you know a ton of following so i i don't know like i would like to see more of the retail side of that reflect that um rather than seeing just like you know stereotypes i i to sum it up <laughs> my rambling up we've seen the industry side of it in terms of uh gear and how things are presented in advertising and even some demo artists, like like I said, you know, that has taken a huge step forward. However, on the retail side of things, um, I would dare say they could use a bit more diversity <laughs> in both gender, in everything, um, because it's still very much pandering to um, non-inclusivity, just trying to sell certain things. Um, I will say that's not all vendors. Um, let me clarify. Sweetwater has been awesome at doing that. And I'm not just saying that, but in, I notice uh, in terms of stuff like GearFest and whatnot, you're seeing a way more diverse group of people. So Sweetwater's aware of that and they've done, they've, they're taking steps to that. So yeah, um, other vendors can't really say much so all right here is joe from get offset and pedal playhouse i've seen some things step forward and i've seen some things step back um especially like with fender i think during the beginning it was very much diverse and we were seeing people of all colors and backgrounds and genders and then after the pandemic i've seen a step back and shifting to a more white demographic older um different different in general. Um, I'm seeing a kind of a pullback, not as much. And here is Emily from Get Offset. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it really... I don't know how much it's stuck is kind of the bummer. Like, you you hear things about, like, brands, like, Fender did the next thing. I don't know if they're still doing that. So you still see, like, a lot more diversity in their ads. I feel like you're still seeing plenty of diversity in ads. I'm curious as to how that's translating into, like, leadership roles. Because visibility is very important, but you need people at the top who are more inclined to make diversity-related decisions regardless. One thing I do feel is that, like, there was, I feel like there's recently a study that showed, like, essentially, like, consumers like diversity, and they prefer wokeness to anti-wokeness. And so that was really interesting. So I think, I think it'll still go, but the the hard push on it, I feel is kind of done. But at the same time, I'm seeing brands like Seymour Duncan, Larry, Larry Basilia is getting her own, got her own signature pickups and stuff like that. Um, they're, uh, uh, D'Angelico put out another signature feed, uh, from, from, I'm blanking on names. I've been, I don't remember, but yeah. All day, she's she's a woman based out of Nashville, and it was a limited run, but they sold out almost immediately, from my understanding, which is really cool. So, obviously, like these things are selling. Revert put out that article that um, that basically study that showed people are buying women's signature guitars at a higher clip, and there's just not as many of them, but maybe there should be. Yeah. So we're learning that there is there basically like you're saying that there has there was a push and then less of a push, but there's still some bits of it that are kind of sticking around. Yeah, I mean, I would like it to just be the equilibrium, but I just I do feel like this happens every once in a while. Like in the '90s, there was this big women who rock push, and that just got like so much pushback. With like like the, the response to that was like Limp Bizkit and all the, and all this stuff. Like you had Lil Fair, and then you had Woodstock '99. Like so, like I would like my big thing is I I I don't like seeing as much like as important as things like Lil Fair are. I just want all, us all to exist together, yeah. all the genders together, versus it being like the women's thing. And I, I don't like being othered. I don't think anybody likes being othered. And uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful on a lot of this stuff. I, 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 I it's definitely not as bad as it was before the pandemic, but I think it could continue to improve. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting about that because I feel like I feel like that's the goal, right? Is integration. Like everybody is just treated like a regular old person. Uh, but I think the there's the spaces where it's like, okay, that makes sense for this to exist because people feel like they need it. And then like hypothetically, like it's a launching pad to something else, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, she tries isn't really active right now, and I think that was a huge loss because that happened during the pandemic. Basically, it slowed down a lot. So while these bigger brands are pushing diversity, one of the most diverse publications and media brands in the space really kind of is basically on hiatus, is my understanding. So that, that, that's sad to me. And I just feel like the push is still necessary. And these women-only spaces, I do think they have an importance as far as like gaining comfort. But I do think the ultimate goal in those spaces even should be like, let's go out into the world. Because like just doing your own festivals doing your own bills like that's that's only going to get you so far and i feel like we deserve to go all the way right it provides comfort in that space but then what happens when you go outside of it yeah 
All right. I looked it up and it was Melanie Faye who has the D'Angelico signature guitar. She's amazing. I honestly didn't even know that that happened. Uh, must have gotten that quickly. Very cool. Check that out. Uh, and up next, we have Steve from 60 Cycle Hum. It's it's really interesting because I a lot doing the podcast thing, managing uh, kind of like back end on a YouTube channel. Um, I see a lot of like commute, like see things on the commute from the community side, which is sometimes fortunate and sometimes very unfortunate. Uh, There's a lot of learning going on on the manufacturer side. Like I think my perspective is if you're a builder, it's kind of like a get on the train or get out of the way kind of state on the on the public side, it's kind of like people want to have opinions about things. And it's so weird to me, like some of the hard lines that people draw. Um, so I think like overall, because again, because a lot of the manufacturers just aren't, if they're either taking a position or they're just staying out of the way. Um, I think there's been a lot of positive movement in diversity. I've heard people complain that like, well, like I didn't dive into the numbers but like, oh, a lot of these diversity figures that are coming out are fake. I know you did a, you got, went over a big study of it that was like actually in depth and it went, walked through the methodology. And so that's the thing where I'm like, no, like this is real. But even whether it's real or whether it's just a marketing ploy, like to me, it doesn't matter if the net output is like, is positivity. Um, I have this like, I'll throw this out there. It's kind of it, kind of like a dumb thing, but there's this like biblical principle where like Paul basically says like, it doesn't matter if you're like teaching the gospel, like kind of wrong. Like as long as like people are hearing about it, like the net is good, you know? Um, So that's kind of like where I'm at. Unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of like, there is a lot of negativity towards things where it's like when a company does something, people have this backlash and it's like, at the end of the day, like for me, I think for, for for the channel as a whole, like, I don't know that there's a line that we've drawn in the sand it on the inclusive side like is there a point where I would say no we're too inclusive now like but there but there's a lot of people in the public who think that we're at that point like we're like brands are being too inclusive and I'm like it's music you know how are you going to look at 60 70 years of rock and roll history and all of a sudden be like well little Richard like that was a bridge too far like that was 70 years ago or 60 years ago you know so i i think we're at a net positive but i also think we're on the verge of kind of every few months there seems to be another big culture battle that to me is just kind of pointless like why why are we fighting against just being nice to people okay here is johnny from oakland guitars I would say where we've landed on that is we have a good push of genuine inclusion and you still see a lot of cringy inclusion, which, you know, uh, there are brands that their whole roster are men and you'll be like, why are you releasing a pink guitar with a woman? Like... It doesn't seem on brand for you. And then you see other brands that are genuinely focusing on just people. And I I feel like we're seeing in a lot of, whether it be demo people or 
makers and builders and doers, you're seeing a lot more genuine genuineness in in it. And uh, for me, in 2023, seeing that here today has been, yeah, it's been awesome. I think you're seeing a lot more genuine, thoughtful, not just let me hang the Black Lives Matter flag in my window and I'm done. So I would say the genuineness has gone up in that regard. All right. So genuine versus cringy inclusion. I feel like that really gets at the heart of a lot of what people are saying here. Uh, It was really interesting just to see, once again, the wide range of responses. So you can see a lot of people are like, things are way better. And some people are like, are they? And then other people are like, some things are better. So you get a range of responses kind of depending on each individual's perspective, I guess, or the specific area where folks are focusing. So some people are focusing in like, marketing and representation. Um, And some folks are like, well, (laughs) if you have it on the front end and you're demonstrating on the front end, do you actually have it in the back end, right? So that's another part of it. Like, does your staff reflect the marketing that you have? Um, Some people are focusing on things like, you know, uh, manufacturing and like the actual accessibility of the product that create you're creating, right? So that's another thing people are looking at. Signature guitars came up. Uh, just a lot of a lot of interesting perspectives on this. And I'll say the reason why I asked this question in the first place is because it's something that I've really had. <laughs> I've really noticed a lot over the last, I would say, year or so that there was this huge push starting in 2020, uh, lots of energy and excitement around this issue of DEI. And I think, you know, I think it's natural. I think there is going to be a pendulum swing in some of this. Um, And so that is not surprising. But it is something to just notice, I think, that, you know, (laughs) even though we might sort of be going still, I think, hopefully in a slightly better direction with regard to inclusion, with regard to diversity, equity, all of those things, there are, you know, we there is less energy, I would say, towards it than there was at one point. And if people don't kind of keep up with it, that there is actually, there are a lot of negatives to that. If people at the, I think, uh, company level, whether it is uh, manufacturing or uh, retail, as, as Jason had mentioned, retail in particular, I think is, you know, maybe has fewer resources to deal with this stuff. Um, and is once again, as I had mentioned um, in the gender and music your experiences report, it is the first place where folks are interacting many times with the industry around gear. So I think it's just something to think about, right? Like, where are we going? Um, what is what are the costs both like to individual businesses to culture if we start going backwards again, or if we you know kind of move this to the back burner what happens like who's getting left out if we aren't kind of keeping this at the forefront of the conversation who is not getting the opportunity to become a musician who is not getting the opportunity or um, support to start their own company right like so all of this stuff is just you know I, I think things that we need to consider as we're moving forward um, with regard to DEI generally All right. With that, we're going to take a couple moments to thank some of this episode's sponsors for letting us have this conversation in the first place, right? So important. Then we're going to dig into a follow-up question around this, which is, we see where we're at now with regard to DEI. You know, what else can we do in the future to make things better? Where, what else do we need to do? All right. So stick around. 
Holcomb Guitars are sponsors of Midriff. Nick Holcomb builds beautiful custom guitars to your specifications and has a mobile guitar repair setup too. That means he will come to you in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, either fixing your guitar on site or picking up and dropping it off when he's done. Who does that? Literally no one. No one does that. No one except for Nick. He has set up, repaired, and modified many of my own instruments, and he does great work. I also like knowing that we share values on important topics, and I'm guessing if you are listening, that is important to you too. That and not being treated like a baby. Nick will treat you like a regular old human person in the world who deserves respect. Who knew it was possible? If you want to learn more, check out HolcombGuitars.com or follow him on Instagram at HolcombGuitars. All right. Shout out to mid-riff sponsor Stompbox Sonic. Stompbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. Specializing in effects pedals, they offer a curated collection of companies large and small, some locally crafted, and some assembled from around the world. Adam and Jen have been helping musicians and sound-based artists find their sound since 2009. By working collaboratively through one-on-one consultations, they do more than sell you a pedal. They ignite the creative spark to bring your music to life. They create a comfortable, judgment-free environment for all musicians where sonic experimentation is encouraged. Whether you play guitar, bass, trumpet to harp, roads, and circuit bent, speak and spell, Stompbox Sonic will work with you to find the right effects to fit your project. Check out stompboxsonics.com for more. All right, moving right along. Let's get into our next question, which was, I kind of made it a little bit open for folks to respond. So given what they had to say about how the industry is doing right now with DEI, I followed up with, so, you know, what other changes do we still need to make? And also, what does it mean to be a good role model in the industry? So we'll start here with Joe from Get Offset and Pedal Playhouse. Um, I think a good way for men to be good role models in the industry definitely is the non-gatekeep. I think we're all here and we all love the same things. And I think we each, depending on our gender or background or nationality, we all bring something unique to the table. And I think if we only look at one perspective of things, we're going to see a unfortunate stagnation. And the only way we can kind of move in a direction that is progressive and innovative is that we need to see a diversity of sound, we need to see a diversity of cultures, we need hybrids to survive. Like, just having something the same way for decades and decades and decades, sure, that's great, but I don't think we should rest on our laurels either. All right, up next is Ruben from Seymour Duncan. I think we need to see just still more diversity in play styles. Aside, you know, there's still so much work to do with race and gender and all that, but like play, I still feel like I'm still seeing a lot of shred. And there's so much more than shred. Like there's so many great, like just people play rhythm and stuff like that. And like, that's why I like someone like Corey Wong. He's not like a shredder, but like he still still plays rhythm. I still think a diversity in genre is really big. And talking to like some of the artists who are in my world, seeing, not seeing them represented here. So some of the artists I really love, you know, that aren't here. Yeah, and I mean, arguably, more people are not shredders, so it makes sense to appeal to them, right? Yeah, different playing styles, different playing levels. We try to do that at Seymour Duggan, and the comment section is full of, like, especially Facebook. We know how Facebook is, but, like, oh, yeah, I already knew all this. It's like, well, we don't, not everyone knows everything, man, so we're, we're putting content out that's for all playing, like, 
there's people who don't know how to install pickups. And I just figured out how to do it myself working here. So there's still a lot to learn. It's a long way, but we're working on it. All right. Up next, we have Mark from Summer School Electronics. I think really is just be a good person. Be, be inclusive. And like that what you look like or what you're into doesn't matter. Like we're we all love music. We all love gear. No, we all do. Well, just be a good person. Be nice. Be empathetic. And like take get into what you're into. You know what I mean? And like it's, there's plenty of people and stuff who are, people are in like types of music and gear that I'm not into. And it's like. I get it. That's cool. You each have what you're into, but just be respectful and be cool. I think that's the whole thing. Like, I mean, I'm a teacher. That's our, that's our whole thing. Like so many of the kids, it's just like, all right, I don't know what you're talking about, but you seem stoked on it. Be cool, man. Just be cool to each other. All right. Here we have Rob from High Watt. A lot of it would be just based on the fact that we should be some more supportive of each other. And I see that a lot in a lot of the different genres of music. We're, we're involved in quite a few different genres of music, you know. It could be death metal to like, you know, quieter, softer, poppy stuff, right? And so I've noticed within those, within those genres, there's definitely a lot more support. You see a lot more, like especially in the heavier side when you've got like a mosh pit. There's a lot more girls going into those pits, which is great to see. And that environment has always been a kind of like a safe zone, right? Depending on the genre of music, really. Um, I've, I'm a metalhead, I'm an old school guy, and uh, I know one of the things you do is someone falls down, you pick them right back up, and you make sure they're okay. All right, up next is Sasha from Dunnable. I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, I've never, like, uh, made the decision to, like, sell anybody a guitar either way based on who they are or where they come from or what um, what they're into you know I feel like um, it's all good and I think that maybe just naturally through that we have a somewhat diverse uh, roster of people at least on these printed material I would say that it's like you know appropriately uh, proportionate to the, just who our customers are, you know what I mean? And that's something that I don't know if I could really have any control over, but you know, there are uh, women artists, there are trans artists uh, that we're promoting on our materials here, so I, I don't know, I think it's cool to like just let the world know that you're down, you know, with, with every, with no matter who it is, you know? Up next is Emily from Get Offset. I think the biggest thing it looks like is not flaunting that that's what you're doing. Uh, like ju you just do it, and if people notice, that's great. But just treat it like it's like yeah, of course we got this person because they're a great musician with a great following. Not like oh yeah, there's we got we got some women. Not that kind of thing. Have you seen our ladies? Have you seen our women? They're uh, pretty hot over there. I, I think leadership is obviously the number one thing. Um, and I, I know and not even just leadership, but hiring women at every level of these companies. And listen, I know it's not easy to hire women who solder. I get that. But it's you got, it just means sometimes you got to work a little bit harder to get that diversity. But once you get a little bit of it, it fosters itself in a pretty big way. Here is Jason from Working Class Music. This is probably one of my favorite questions ever. Um, I think there are a lot of changes that need to be made. I, like I said, I think on the 
brand side of things, you're starting to see that. You're starting to see marketing reflect what people actually look like that use their products. Um, again, I still think on the retail side of things, retail hasn't caught up. And I, I don't think a lot of retailers have a very good grasp of who they're selling stuff to because it's very much still, you know, marketing stereotypes and i think that definitely needs more representation um especially you know you know i look at a certain ad and i'm like okay cool i'm black let me look at guitars there are really no one in these ads that are black and oh wait but there's a black person on the bass side of things you know just you know speaking for myself that I, I feel like the marketing side of things or retail side of things rather needs to catch up. I also do think on the YouTube side of things, I think I would like to see more diversity um, on the YouTube side of things. I think, I think you're starting to see more channels pop up that represent that. But for me, one thing I've noticed and maybe it's just the algorithm and it's not showing me a lot of it. I don't know. Maybe I just need to look for these things. Like, I would love to see, like, more <laughs> more Emily Hopkins, more Get Offset, like, more stuff like that where, where women are doing that. Like, I think Tia, Emily, Emily, <laughs> Joan, like, they're all holding it down. But I would love to see more of that. Like, um... I think I think that would be something that the industry definitely needs. That would, you know, putting those group of people into on a bigger platform. Um, other than that, like I think again, I again, I just think uh the the retail retail marketing side of thing needs to change and that's my biggest concern that I see because I don't really see the diversity some of these retail places are trying to show that they're capable of doing in their marketing outside of you know certain times of the year february and june hint hint um so and i would like to see that change to a year-round thing it's not that hard <laughs> and you know i would like to and i think um working with a more diverse roster of talent like would do wonders for a lot of these brands. I mean, not brands. I keep saying brands. It would do wonders for a lot of the retail side of things or retailers um, because it it would open it up a bit more. And, you know, I understand we live in a capitalistic society, so you have to cater to what sells. But right now, I think um, companies are not realizing that this the last generation is on their way out and this current group of generation are the musicians of the future and today so and the current group of musicians of today and the future don't look like the past so we need something that's more inclusive of that on the retail side of things and that's where i i you know and even on the business side of things and i think if you fix the business side of things whether it's the retail or even some of these uh some of these vendors you will you will ultimately start to see that diversity grow 
but you know we need more women we need more people of color we need more people showing us these things on both or being seen on these things not just when it's a certain time of year so yeah all right here is loki from poly effects uh, well i think but we need to work out what the plan is to have stuff that is both good and accessible um i think uh continuing to value uh like making stuff I think a lot like every time I chat to like uh, more kind of uh, some distributors and stuff they're like hey you could outsource everything you could get some you could just be somebody like marketing this stuff you could just be something that doesn't create anything you just market things and I I think it's nice that lots of pedals and lots of the music industry in general kind of values making stuff I think we have to hang on to that valuing like the actual like the, 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 some of the, the joys of the physical part. I think it's good to... The, making sure people are, you know, being paid what they should be paid to do the work makes it so that more people can be a part of the industry as well. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that that's really handy. If, but we have to kind of balance that with the challenge we had before of accessibility about... It, I think there's a lot of... Um, I think one of the... Actually, one of the really good changes recently uh, with more with guitars than, um, than the synthy stuff is that... I think some of the stereotypes were like, hey, it's a nice guitar, it's made in America. It's a bad guitar, it's made in not America. Whereas now people are like, oh, there's this amazing guitar, it's made in Indonesia, that's fine. And there's this amazing guitar, it's made in China or Vietnam or, or, or Australia or, you know, anywhere else. I think that's been a really good thing I've seen recently, that there's the, some of that stereotype about country of origin is kind of breaking down. I think so. And I think that's really good because, yeah, like... I think it's the, the country where stuff is. Like, just saying, okay, well, this place can't make good stuff. Yeah, that's pretty racist. And here we have Allie from Earthquaker Devices. I think it's just uh, giving room for other people, being like, you know, putting the floor on other people, maybe taking a step back, being like, you know, I've, I've said it, I've done it, I'm going to leave the opportunity for someone else. Um, just being encouraging and making sure there's space for everyone. You're not jumping on the opportunity because you know it's easier for you. And here we have Steve from 60 Cycle Hum. I think for me, it's just about always learn, being in an always learning state. Um, I think one of the things that over time we're hopefully are moving towards, I feel like we're moving towards, is a broader like state of forgiveness no one's going to get it right the first time. And like the example, I actually have like a very like front of my head example because I did this on my show like two months ago, three months ago. Basically, like I don't know. I did not know at the time very much about Tim Henson from Polyphia. So I didn't know that that Tim Henson is Asian-American. I just see this little little like he's a small guy kind of doing like this, like, you know, androgynous kind of looking thing. And I'm sitting there and I asked, I I went through the thought process out loud of, is he like yellow facing? Which is like a horrible thing to say. But then, and I think of one of the things that a lot of people, some people in my audience know, but a lot of my audience doesn't know is like, I came to that from the perspective of like, hey, I'm Asian American. If he's Asian American, then that's really cool because you don't see a lot of Asian Americans in rock and roll music. And so I'm like, so there's this part of me is like, is he like, is he one of us or, and it also doesn't help that I'm a white presenting Asian American, but I'm thinking like, is he one of us or is he like doing something his own? And even if he's doing his own thing, like 
Maybe it's innocuous. I don't know. And so we had some people call us out for it, like one or two people. One guy says, like, you know, I'm never, like, that was really uncool. And I just run it back and I go, no, you're right. It was really uncool. No one's going to get it right. Like, I think, and I think as a whole, that's the thing I, that I want to see more from the community is whether it's racial diversity, whether it's understanding some of the nuances in the LGBTQ community, like, if somebody says, like, hey, like, my pronouns are this, and you you fuck them up, like, can I say fuck? Yeah. I already did, so it doesn't matter. I thought I could. Um, like, it's okay. Like, the the vast majority of, like, of, uh, like, gender binary trans people that I have, that I interact with, if I mess their pronouns up, they'll be like, hey, it's it's they or hey it's actually it's she but they know that i'm not like coming at them i'm not like you know i'm not being um pejorative i'm just i'm trying to learn everyone's and so that's where i'm at is like let's all take a little bit of a breath but also like if somebody's trying to teach you be receptive and like be open and the like i said the vast majority of people i've found are like are super chill but and it's really like the people who don't want to change who tend to like pull out their machine guns and blow up cans of beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great point because I, I, that's something that I think about. And when I'm talking to folks like that is the conversation a lot is just like, how do you, how do you focus on like always just trying to learn and being cool with like, yes, I'm going to screw up, but also like recognizing like other people are going to screw up and that it's like, everybody's at a different point in the process and we're all trying to, move in this direction hopefully so that we're doing getting slightly better oh. oh yeah um i've had interactions with people who want to learn and they're like so anxious about getting it wrong and i've told them like when you're interacting with someone one you don't have to say everything that comes into your head which i think is a really big problem like i don't think this can go in so many different directions. I don't think a lot of men understand like how much of toxic masculinity is just deciding that you have to say everything that comes in your head. There's a, you know, again, I'm very scattered, but like I've known like so many people who are like, well, why can't I like, why can't I find women attractive? Like if I see a hot girl on YouTube, why can't I think she's hot? And it's like, you can, I just don't like, I don't need to know she doesn't need to know the internet doesn't need to know that's all it is like it's okay that you think these women are attractive it's okay if you think if you're a woman and you think a man's attractive like but i don't be be a little chill like just chill out and and so then like in reaction like people get build up this anxiety about getting it wrong and it's like if you get it wrong and and someone says like no actually like i said no actually it's this and be like, oh, okay, thank you. I didn't know that. And then everything's going to be cool. Yes. 99% of the time, the person you're interacting with is going to appreciate that you're willing to learn. And last but not least, we have Johnny from Oakland Guitars. I still see a lot of othering. Um, the guitar and gear and music, 90% of people here are white dudes. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would say you still get a mentality of 1982 guitar shop. And we need to keep progressing away from that. 
I'm tired of hearing, I, you know, you and I were talking off mic a little while ago about people saying blackface, you know, in, in regards to an amplifier. You hear these antiquated terms that are bullshit and need to change. Uh, and we just, it, 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 that's the piece is the antiquated terminology and tech and and mentality around gear um, we still need to grow like big time and your second question was about being a leader right being a role model being a role model in this um, by no means do I think of myself as one I think I'm a person and we are a shop that continues to grow with that being said I would say from the feedback that we've gotten, it's asking for your community. I know you and I have talked about this, for your community's input, and then taking action on what your community is saying. You know, we're a guitar store from Oakland, California. The Black Panther Party was founded in Oakland, California. We're an activist town. We're a town that has a lot of heart and a lot of soul. And for me to be a shop that doesn't honor that history and that lineage is disingenuous, right? It's not a part of our shop's values to not honor that. So I would say part of my community is saying, hey, wear your your values on your sleeve. And we do. And I would say being a role model is about whatever your value set is, even if it's cringy to start, just start and and wear it on your sleeve and say, hey, this is what I'm trying. And because I care, right? That, that again, going back to genuineness, uh, yeah, I would say that's the biggest piece about being a role model in, in, in this day and age as a music gear person or a guitar shop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like part of that, as you're saying it, is about, like, acknowledging that you don't know everything, but you're going to try even if, like, you're not you know, not always necessarily going to get it right, but you're going to try and being genuine about the fact that you are trying. Right. And, and if you aren't going to try, you're just going to get left behind. And it's the fact of just saying, we're going to step out of our comfort zone and try to push the ball forward or with inclusion, right? And, and trying to even... Everyone makes awkward mistakes, whether it's acknowledging people's pronouns or asking people's pronouns or acknowledging that, yes, somebody is different than you, right? When you first come in contact with somebody who may not be gender conforming and you're not used to it and you're not used to asking or what have you, but just saying, hey, I'm going to be awkward. I want to make sure I'm doing right by you, right? So it is making those awkward mistakes and owning it and saying, hey, I'm trying and that's the thing that I, it comes back to, yeah. All right, so many great tips in there. I, <laughs> I'm going to kind of like, I guess, uh, summarize sort of where folks went with that. So we had a call for diversity in both genre and experience, like not just shredders, being cool about like what people like, right? That's important. Um, you know, not trying to yuck someone else's yum. <laughs> uh, letting the world know you're down, you know that you're 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 wanting to be inclusive but then also knowing when to step back and like not have to say everything that you think in your head 
calling for more diversity at, co- at companies at every level in talent, um, also on YouTube, and knowing that like a little bit of diversity kind of fosters and reinforces itself, which is great to to recognize. Like it's you know once you get moving, it's going to really um, it's going to make it much easier for you to continue with that process. Also, when you do manage to diversify. Um, either your representation or, you know, your actual hiring, which, you know, if you're able to do that, great. Don't flaunt it, right? Like, don't make it be about, like, look at who we've got here, right? You want to be genuine in what you're doing and knowing that you're just doing it to do it because you, you know, you think these people are cool. Be genuine. Also, call to kind (laughs) of reevaluate or get rid of some antiquated ideas, antiquated terminology, trying to build a learning culture, Right. Um, Knowing that like you have a lot to learn. We all have a lot to learn. And also we have a lot to, you know, um, that other people are at learning different points in their learning as well. I would add to that. It's very important when you're making assumptions about positive intent or assuming that other people are making positive assumptions about your intent, that you are building trust with people before you do that. You can't just assume that someone is going to assume that you have positive intent. There is still potentially a negative impact there. So building trust with people, whether, you know, if you're a manufacturer with your uh, employees, with your customers, with, um, you know, if you're, you know, a a retailer with your, um, with the customers that come in as well and your employees and, you know, via social media as well and your community. So you have to build trust in all those ways. And then you're going to be given a lot of um, ability, I think, to, uh, for people to trust that you're trying to do a good job, Right. All right. So (laughs) other last notes, I guess I would say, uh, is if you aren't going to try, you are going to get left behind. Right. So that was such an important point. And I think it's a good good place for us to stop with this particular question before we move into our final question, which is who are some companies that have done a really good job with regard to like improving their diversity, equity, inclusion just over the last few years? And I mentioned in a couple of conversations, like, you know, people oftentimes will mention Fender or Earthquake or like the moment that you ask a question like, which companies are doing a good job? Like, those are the ones that always come up and it came up again here, too. Um, but I think that it's important to think about like, OK, so those folks are, you know, always been or for a long time been noted for that for good reason. But like, who are some people that maybe have made some real changes more recently? So here we go. Let's check it out. All right, we're going to start with Mark from Summer School Electronics. Um, so, again, coming from that time, there's a lot of new companies that are starting that uh, are f- featuring more women, more people of color. And there are companies that have been around, like, who have been, done a bigger social media push that it just shows, like, we. it's more than just one person at the company. Like, I know, uh, like, JHS has shown a lot of their builders on, they're featuring a lot more people who just work for them and like uh, even Death by Audio has shown a lot of different people that work with them and you're like oh I didn't know like you usually see whoever the figurehead or the social media presence totally and you're like oh the company's Dave or whatever whatever the company you know what I mean it's like well no Dave's the guy who does this but there's also Samantha and you know Ahmed and all the other people who are there they're like oh yeah it's not just one guy and like I mean we're a small company where I do a lot of the building but my wife designs all of our custom pedals. Like when you send us custom builds, like that email goes straight to her and she's just as involved in the whole process. And like, it's just, yeah, there's a lot more. And I think people seeing that allows people to be like, oh, maybe I could get into building or I could be a luthier or I could, 
just get more creative and get into that whole world. I think that's just just seeing it. You know what I mean? That's, sometimes that's the first step anybody needs. All right. Next, we have Sasha from Dunable. I mean, I, I think that a, a lot of companies are probably trying to. I mean, I think that's kind of like a trend, or not a trend, but it's sort of like the in the public consciousness, um, you know, people want to be, like I said before, on the right side of history. And it's like changing with the world rather than like rejecting it because, I mean, I think number one, that's probably a dumb business move for anybody. Um, you know, if you are rejecting like people, like literally the stupidest thing you could reject anybody for, let alone like paying customers. So um, I feel like in general in the music business, music instrument business, like it's a pretty accepting place, I think. I mean, again, maybe I live in my own bubble, but I feel like it's, I mean, maybe there is sort of a built-in kind of systemic like sexism with like at least the rock and roll side of the music instrument world, but I think that's changing. I think that it's like, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's like some, it's something that's going to eventually the world just evolves, you know? If you look at now versus 100 years ago, it's way different, and 100 years from now, it'll be different, hopefully not worse, you know? So. All right, here is Ruben with Seymour Duncan. You know what? I think Fender's doing a really great job. I think Fender puts, like, effort into finding different kind of artists. I think we're doing all right. I think we're going to get there. Um, who else? That's a good question. JHS is doing a lot of cool stuff, too. I love their pedals. I just love their branding in general. And then uh, I like Jam Pedal. I don't know if they're working with any artists, but there's a few brands here I really like what they're doing. All right. We have Emily from Get Offset. Universal Audio just uh, released three new pedals, and if you go to the product page, there's three women on the it's only women on the page. I'm sure that was intentional and that they thought about it, but they didn't. They haven't been boasting about it, which is cool. Obviously, Fender and Earthquaker are the easy are easy answers, but I also feel like we're seeing more like promotion of uh, like at least husband and wife owned companies because that that is that is a lot of them, and that's great to have those. But um, you know, Reverb working with Heather Brown a lot more. Like I think Reverb does a great job, frankly. The unmanned mission thing was really, really cool. I believe Mallory over there spearheaded that one. So they had stuff by Heather, Leila City from Tunatone. Um, every piece of gear was built and designed by women, and it was awesome. Like yeah, people, this is, you can do this. You can do this. That's great. And here we have Rob from Hiwat. Well, I guess you know on the guitar part for sure. Um, actually, there was, I don't know if she's here, it's been a few years, there was Daisy Guitars, and I don't, I don't know if she's still around, but she was a huge uh, uh, supporter of women in rock, right? And we always wanted to do something with her, because we're into collaborating with other amplifier companies, pedal companies, that's what we do at the show. We swap gear, you'll, you'll see at a bunch of the booths, our amps are, are all, all over the place, right? Um, so definitely on the guitar side, for sure, I see that a lot more. Amplifier side, I mean, we're open to it. And I'm sure I've seen other companies definitely, when you walk around the booths and stuff, you can see they have more women pictures, like in that kind of, or, or more pictures of women featured and that kind of thing, right? So. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that because it is, it's it's like there's the there's what's happening generally, and then there's what's happening at Nam, which is also I think visible. Yeah, and and, and it kind of it kind of spreads out from here, right? It's kind of like. Formula One racing. They develop these high-end cars, but eventually that technology trickles down to road cars. So now you have flipper uh, uh, 
shifting and all that kind of stuff. That all started there. Yeah. So the same idea, this is a manufacturer's trade show, so it's got to start at the manufacturer's base, and it'll trickle down. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we're doing that, right? So for us as a manufacturer, yeah, we're definitely supporting a lot. And like where I live, there's the GTA, there are so many talented musicians, and there's way more girls rocking out, and they're way better at guitar than I am. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> All right, we have Joe from Get Offset and Pedal Playhouse. Look at, I guess, effects pedal or guitar or any kind of gear in which I kind of see where they're more diverse. If I only see like just guys playing like blues, I tend to kind of turn off from that. Um, I mean, I could probably say like, I like gear companies that are, I guess, pushing more diversity in the sense like they'll have different people from different walks of life. I know Old Blood Noise Endeavors is very good with doing stuff like that. Earthquaker Devices is very good with that, as we talked about. Um, let me see what else. I mean, of course, I've seen certain companies like Ibanez, you know, step out with more, like, obviously, Anita Strauss. And certain companies, though, yes, I do appreciate, like, you know, the uh, Hailstorm, you know, kind of uh, explorer. It's still, it still seems more like a face rather than an actual commitment. Like, oh, yeah, hey, we did that. I was like, no, but that's not enough. <laughs> uh, that's what I kind of feel. I feel like it's more marketed you know, market rather than actually wanting change. So that's why it's kind of hard to, it's like, oh, the demographic, the more females are buying. Okay, if we just put someone in front and say, put a guitar in their hand, like, okay, we have a model, like, here it is. I was like, yeah, but like beyond that, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I know for, for me with that kind of thing, like I'm always like, I, my, the, way, the way that I can tell if they're actually doing it is by looking at the comments, you know, because like, are they clearing it? Yeah, whether they're clearing it or letting all the carnage go. And I, I think they're getting better about it, but I also think that it's like they had a little bit more work to do, perhaps. No, and I, I've seen that of certain either brands or companies where they're like, yeah, I post this of the sky playing. And then, of course, once you point out, you know, a woman, uh, woman doing uh, basically the same typical thing, um, we're having to do more work of clearing those comments and like guitar incels and all these type of things where it's very negative for the sake of being negative and not really that, hey, the content is great, what they're playing is incredible, you know, I love this guitarist, thank you so much, like, yeah, <laughs> not seeing much of that, but you do have people in the comments that are very supportive, too, so I feel like we shouldn't outweigh the, you know, uh, the good with the bad. I still think a lot of times that the outliers or the negative comments, a lot of times we tend to look at versus the good, so I think there is a lot of good out there still with the people who are commenting, and uh, thankful for those people. <laughs> Here we have Loki from PolyFX. I don't, again, I think I've just been inside, so I haven't really seen that many, I, like, I haven't seen really noticeable big changes because I think most of the companies that I think of uh, that were doing interesting things, yeah. like, were either very small yeah. and already pretty diverse or uh, pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And now, obviously, there's some, like, more visible ones, I think, that, you know, in the States, yeah. there's ones I, I can think of there. But And I think there are some that are doing really well to make sure that people are, like, everybody is included and, and gets into the thing. Like, I think uh, Fender is doing a great job of, and I, for a long time, Fender's been doing a great job of marketing. 
Because you look at their marketing and you're like, there is a great collection of different people in this. There is a great collection of all types of people. Look, those people, like, look, uh, you know, they could be somebody like me. They could be somebody that's not like me. You know, there's a lot of options. And then they could be somebody that looks uh, like Joe or not like Joe. You know, like, there's a thousand options there. And then, and I think, especially uh, their marketing towards younger people works really well. Because, like, one of the things I think we have to think about is, hey, are people still going to be interested in, in playing this kind of stuff? Um, and it's good to make sure that they are. Because, um, and I think that's the same for any of this stuff. Like, you know, if, if you're selling, uh, like, hand drums or synthesizers or keyboards or harps or anything, it doesn't matter what instrument it is, but instruments are, like, good as a general concept, I feel. Obviously biased. But, um, and I think being able to kind of promote them is a thing that still exists. Because I think, even though I make, you know, complicated synthy stuff, I like the idea of people being able to play actual instruments and, you know, make actual songs about stuff. So, yeah, I think we, you know, being able to encourage people to be creative and not, you know, just make content. We need to work out a way to still just make people write, you know, I want people to write sad songs about their love life because I like that kind of, I like listening to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so important to make sure everyone has access to the industry, like, so they're not pushed out so that they can, like, move forward so that there is a customer base in the future. Yeah, I think, and the industry is doing good stuff. There is some good stuff internally in the industry to get people working in this area, but I think you know, what we do is make instruments. So I think a lot of that is the people using the instruments because I don't think many people are going to be like, oh, that looks cool. That guy, you know, that person is, you know, they'll see Joe and myself making synths and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I want to play synths because those people make them. Nobody's going to think that. Nobody cares. Well, I, you know, probably nobody cares. Whereas if they see, if they, you know, see Lucy Dacus playing amazing stuff, they might be like, well, Lucy's super cool. She makes great sounds. She writes amazing songs. Um, her, her latest album is stunning, you know, all of those being entirely true. Um, then maybe they'll be like, all right, well, I want to make that fuzz sound that Lucy has on that track because it's an amazing fuzz sound. And then they'll try and work out how to get that fuzz sound or they'll try, you know, they'll realize that there's interesting stuff to do. Here we have Ali from Earthquaker. One company that I was surprised by recently, I went to the She Rocks Awards last night and a lot of it was sponsored by PRS Guitars and um, one of the bands, The Beaches, was, uh, the guitarist was saying how honored she was to be a woman in the industry getting sponsored by PRS and that's just, I mean they're just such a big guitar company that you've heard of for so long so to see them like truly encouraging this and putting on a show for everything and being, trying actively to be a part of it I think was, was very nice. <laughs> And here we have Jason from Working Class Music. Usually I try to refrain from naming names, but as I go on, I'm going to go over a quick list of who I think is doing um, something that stands out. One of the few that comes to mind, especially uh, when you look at some of their products as of recently, some of their signature products, is Old Blood Noise Endeavors, like the screen violence, you know, shouts that and when you look at the artists who they use to market it like it was super diverse like i don't i don't you know not even like 
considering the band that was you know that this is based on their marketing for that was super diverse and they've always take taken a stand on social issues too that is reflective of that um so for me you know they hats off to old blood noise endeavors like they've always been the best at that so uh another company i'm gonna say probably that um i've always been very high in praise for in terms of their marketing uh fender fender like i want to say over the last five years anytime if you look at their ads it's very much a diverse group of people and and that means a lot to me especially as a person of color because i i forget which ad it was maybe it was the ventera jazz master but seeing another black person up there playing that like in an ad and they're not being regulated to like displaying the bass stuff that meant a lot to me that that meant a lot to me personally um another group that i i think um that doesn't really get enough praise but i think they're awesome in terms of their marketing and just their social media presence is chase bliss like i think like for as long as i've known them they've the way they've displayed themselves and the way they've done things via social media even if you look at who runs their instagram like they felt like a diverse group of people their products feel like you know anybody can use them and they're like it's hard to say it's like it's like they present it in such a way that there's no forced inclusivity it just feels natural and i think they have a very good knack for that <laughs> like um I, I i can't say anything else like i think they're one of the best when it comes to that and just by, again by the artists they reach out to to demo their products i think that, you know that says a lot like of the people you see using them and and again they're all different people in different genres so i think that Again, that says a lot. Um, another group I uh, would say uh, <laughs> that some people would be surprised, but I'm going to say this more so, and it's just their willingness to work with younger, diverse artists, especially through some of their artist plans um, or artist affiliation thingy. I don't know what the correct terminology is, is PRS. Um, while I still think they have somewhat of a marketing stigma, like where people think they're certain guitar, they're made for certain guitars. Um, I found that company to be very inclusive in terms of behind the scenes and like, and the artists that they approach. And I think, you know, with, uh, I forget the name of their artist program, <laughs> um, but I think the way they approach working with younger guitarists and you look at the roster and you see it's a diverse group and especially with women, like you see a ton of women playing PRS now. And I, and, and again, it doesn't feel forced. Um, it feels natural. So for me, I know they get a lot of crap. You know, especially with everything, but I, I have to give them props for that. I think a lot of other companies in general have been doing it. Like, yeah, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I know all my friends at these other companies are going to hate me and they're going to be like, Jason, why didn't you mention me? Um, if you know who you are, you know who you are. And I think you're doing a great job at making our music community more diverse. Actually, um, 
If you need help marketing, though, and you want diversity, I know Tia and I are gladly available. So any companies listening, we will gladly help with that. And we have Johnny from Oakland Guitars. Earthquaker, I always think, is is the role model. Uh, I've been really impressed with, it's a little outside the box, working class music. I think the fact that Get Offset, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping Signal Boost and helping working class music and partnering with them and just highlighting them and, and people using their platforms for good, right? It may not be a brand here at NAMM, but Jason is running around here from Working Class Music, and Fretboard Journal hired him, right? And he's doing work with them. You know, a few years ago, you probably would not have seen that from a company as big as them. Um, I may, forgive my ignorance, I, I, I don't know their entire staff, but uh, you see things like that shifting and changing, um, which has been awesome. Uh, I can't say enough about Death by Audio. I feel like that they've been hitting it out of the park. Somebody that I think has been doing good work that's being highlighted more by people is Aisha Lowe. Uh, uh, Low Sounds, I feel like, is getting a lot of signal boosting. I think that that's my answer, is people using their platform to lift people up. And I'm drawing a blank on a company, but I think... There's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of companies who are signal boosting people who are different and people, people who aren't just different, just different people in general. I don't know how to say it otherwise, but my point is people just signal boosting others and lifting other voices up, I think is is my answer. Right. Kudos to all the companies mentioned here today. I mean, there's just so many good ones who've been on top of this game for a long time, who've been really great role models uh, for other companies who who are now just getting into this work. And then there's some here who've really just been stepping up to the plate um, and putting forth a really good show. And I, I really hope that continues. And I want to say thank you so, so much to all of this episode's interviewees who took the time out of their their very busy few days to talk with me and to talk about something that is sometimes difficult to talk about in the setting of NAM. And yeah, uh, y'all are the best and I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you all check them out. All of their links are in the show notes. And I hope you listeners got a solid idea of sort of the state of the industry and DEI according to at least a selection of these very cool folks who are a part of it. And I hope you're leaving with some tips that you can take to your own music spaces, wherever they may be as well. We're moving along, but we still got a lot of work to do and we need to be intentional and genuine in that work. And if your company wants to be a better role model and dig into inclusive management training and support, definitely check out No Stairway Denied online course at bit.ly slash no stairway denied or via a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.